Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's Picks for the Massachusetts Republican State Committee. Vote Tuesday, March 5th to keep the mass GOP alive. To see Howie's Picks, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on the banner. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Thank you all so much for joining us today. It's been a really fun show thus far, and we still have a lot more to get to. I got more sound I want to talk about. Kamala Harris has made comments on these progressive DAs that are destroying the country. We will get to that. We've got some great sound. I promised you a cut from Mayorkas, and I will make good on that promise. Okay, you can count on me. I'm not like the others. But I wanted to shift gears here to a little bit of local news. Uh, Super Tuesday is coming up, and it's not just the presidential race that people have on their minds. You can also vote for Republican State Committee. Now, there's been no shortage of drama and name-calling and mudslinging when it comes to this race, and I know my audience is not unaware of that. Uh, We are going to keep it about policy here. We're going to keep it about what's actually going on and what some of these candidates stand for. And as far as I go, something I've been very passionate about is that young people have to get involved in politics, especially young conservatives in Massachusetts. It's the only way forward for the party. And really, you could take that on a national level as well. I think that it's time to pass the torch. It's time to re-energize politics And it's something that I've felt very strongly about. So that is why I thought it'd be great to have on this next person who's running, Amanda Peterson, who I've met through New England Young Conservatives. She is running for the state committee seat in the Norfolk, Worcester and Middlesex district. And actually, she's very uh, Amanda is a freshman at Suffolk University, so she's very young, but. Unlike most people in Massachusetts, she's got a winning record when it comes to her time in politics. Amanda, give people a little bit of background about what you did for Peter Durant and his road to victory. Hey, Grace. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, Like you just mentioned, I was Peter Durant's campaign manager for the special election out in the Worcester, Hampshire district that we secured that seat in November. And it's one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, you know, just the grassroots and reaching out to, you know, actually reaching out to Republican and unaffiliated voters to actually secure a Republican seat. We haven't secured one of those seats in seven years. Right. Um, so it was a great experience uh, just to try to build up the Republican movement and try to bring some more balance back on Beacon Hill. Amanda, I spent a lot of time on this show talking about what voters care about. And obviously, illegal immigration is coming up a lot right now. It has been kind of bubbling to the surface over the past couple of years. But if you were to specifically talk about young people in Massachusetts, where are their heads at? What what are some of the issues that really get people to the polls that you think people your age, young people, really do care about? I really do think it's just you know, the Democratic Party, you know, we all know, is getting younger and taking over, you know, my generation, Gen Z, and even millennials. Um, but as Republicans, you know, we really need to start targeting these voters. And I think a lot of the issues that they care about is actually, you know, the gun bill that's going through the legislature right now, um, because my generation is starting to, 
you know, come up to the age where you can possess a firearm. Also, the illegal immigrant crisis, but also education. I mean, our education system, there's a lot of indoctrination at these colleges, especially the school that I attend currently. Um, and college students are noticing this and noticing that this bias and this DEI, you know, training within the school systems. And I think it's really getting kids motivated to start, you know, registering to vote and running for office themselves. Amanda, I find that um, for a lot of people, the thought of going into politics, especially in a place like Massachusetts, where I've said this before on my show, you kind of sometimes feel like it's a lost cause. Like, what are we going to do? What motivated you uh, specifically to get involved and to say, hey, listen, this isn't, yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I want to fight it either way. Exactly. So, you know, I've always kind of been interested in politics. Um, When Emma interviewed me a few months back, um, on your column, um, I did mention the fact that, you know, I started getting, you know, interested in politics in 2012 when Obama and Mitt Romney were running against each other. And then, you know, when Hillary and Trump were running against each other. Um, but just the people that I've met through working in Massachusetts Republican politics, um, the good, strong people, especially like Peter Durant, who I just worked for, um, it really motivates me that we actually have a chance uh, to win in the state. If you, if you focus on the issues that voters care about in that certain time frame. For example, in the state Senate election, we focused on the gun bill and the illegal immigration crisis uh, because those were two hot topics of the time. It ended up flipping a seat that has been held by the Democrats over 50 years. So it is possible. We just have to know what issues to hone in on and figure out what the voters want. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot of noise right now with the GOP, uh, with with the Republicans in Massachusetts. And I think you're right, quieting that noise a little bit and bringing people together for issues that we all care about. I mean, there's no shortage of passion right now, Amanda. I can I can tell you that much from what I've been watching. People care a lot. And um, I think it's great that you're involved. I think it's great that young people are taking an interest in this. And Amanda, let people know where they can follow you and where they can support you. All right. So my website is amandapetersonma.com. And my Instagram is just electpeterson. And my Facebook is Amanda Peterson for Republican State Committee Woman. Yeah, I remember talking to you at the New England Young Conservatives Christmas Party and you were telling me about this and you were, you know, you were excited about it and obviously a a little... uh, a little unsure of where it was going to go, but I'm very happy that you stuck with it and good luck to you. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the DAs, the progressive DAs that are taking over this country. And Kamala Harris thinks that they're doing a great job. And I got to find these quotes because I keep seeing the chirons about it. I don't know if she sat down for an interview or what. We're also going to play that sound from Mallorca's And we just have a lot of other uh, topics that I would love to dive into today. Obviously, big news when it comes to Trump, when it comes to these cases, and when it comes to Hunter Biden and his testimony. Because, you know, Jared, I was thinking about it. So Hunter gets to say, well, I was drunk and I was high when I sent that WhatsApp text. And Biden gets to say, well, I'm old and I'm feeble and I don't remember anything. Where can I get me one of these excuses? One of these... I keep saying get out of jail free card. I got to think of a better word because we know that jail is not even a possibility. But it's like they have carte blanche to do whatever they want. And they can just say, I wasn't in the right state of mind. Now that holds up depending on if you have a D or an R next to your name. It's going to hold up for them. But it shouldn't. It doesn't make it right. We'll talk about that. Trump has uh, has, uh, officially touched down in Texas ahead of this border tour. 
Joe Biden is also doing a dueling border tour today. And uh, we have some sound from the National Border Patrol Councilman Brandon Judd. Doesn't seem like the Border Patrol agents are thrilled with Joe Biden suddenly pretending to care. And and I think that's the most insulting part is that he's going to show up. And he's going to tell these guys, you know, I've been working hard and I've been he's going to gaslight them. And it's one thing to get to gaslight the um, low info voters who watch MSNBC all day. It's a whole other ball game to try to tell these men and women who have been on the front lines of this with zero help from the president of the United States that you've had their back the whole time. That's that's going to take a whole different level of lie. That lie, how he always says, no lie too big. That one might be just a hair too big, even for a Democrat like Joe Biden. The Nossip Beach Inn just opened reservations for winter getaways. Jared, you've stayed at the Nossip Beach Inn. What do you remember most about your visit? I remember uh, just how tranquil and peaceful it was because Cape in the Winter is great. The beaches at the Cape in the Winter are great. Nossip Beach is fantastic. And the Nossip Beach Inn is right on the beach. So you get the best of everything when you're down there. Every room has a giant picture window so you can look out, you can take in the view and a fireplace so you can stay cozy if it's too cold. If it's not too cold or even if it's too cold, you go to, go outside, you sit by the fire pits, you can enjoy the views and the sounds of the ocean there. My wife and I, we loved sitting by the fire pit, drinking our morning coffee and watching the sunrise. It's a great getaway. You can walk the beach, you can bring your pet, you don't have to deal with the crowds or really not have to deal with the traffic, any stuff that you got to put up with and you go down to the Cape in the summer. Cape in the winter is the best kept secret, and Nasipichin is the best place to go on the Cape. It's a great place to stay uh, no matter what time of year, but especially off-season, like Jared said. Less crowds, everything's still pretty much open, and you can really enjoy the Cape during this peaceful time of year. So go to NasipBeachInn.com. That's NasipBeachInn.com, and we will be right back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. interesting to me which stories really must do well as far as clickbait goes because the Nathan Wade lawyer drama with his lawyer uh, Terrence Bradley I thought it was funny that he said oh dang we played it yesterday when he was confronted with the fact that he confirmed to Merchant the Trump lawyer that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade were in fact in a relationship before she appointed him special prosecutor for a lot of money a good amount of dough but now I'm seeing it everywhere. Like, I, I thought this was a story from two days ago, and now, oh, dang, is kind of the, the main headline. Maybe it's just a slow news day. That's always a possibility, too. Today's poll question is brought to you by the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-Pack Special. Everyone loves the thunderstorm. It doesn't take up any floor space. There are no filters to replace, and it's only one-third the cost of those bulky air purifiers. Take advantage of the thunderstorm 3-Pack Special at EdenPureDeals.com and use promo code GRACE3. Jared, what is the poll question? 
and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is how would you rate Mitch McConnell's time as Senate GOP leader? Mostly positive or mostly negative? I'm going to say mostly negative. 71% of the audience agrees with you that it was mostly negative. 29% say mostly positive. A lot of votes for this today. People are very interested in what's going to happen now. Mitch McConnell announced yesterday that he'll be uh, stepping down as leader of the GOP. And I do not think he will seek re-election when the time comes. There are some rumors about who's going to take his place. I'm hoping it's more of a contested conversation and not just, a, okay, we decided this, like John Cornyn is going to take over. That does not appeal to me. I would love to see a Ted Cruz. I would love to see a J.D. Vance. I would love to see a fighter. Anyone who the media hates and, and anyone who doesn't care that the media hates them, that's who I want to see there. Give me a Rand Paul, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Jared, I have a question. I saw a headline talking about Kamala Harris. Maybe it's floating around on Twitter that she was talking about these district attorneys and how wonderful they are for the country and how they're really changing things. And I thought it was amusing because I thought this reminds me of when the Biden administration talks about how they're breaking records or they're making history. Because I'm always thinking to myself, there are no lies detected here. Technically, you are making history. Technically, you are changing the entire country, not in a good way, but if you leave off that last part, it's pretty amazing stuff what you're doing. It's it's pretty stunning the changes we've seen since Biden showed up. I mean, you can go out yesterday and give a speech about how crime is down when, you know, you've, you've not labeled anything crime anymore. I mean, you can just do that. They, they have all these loopholes there. It's like they're running a Panera franchise, the amount of loopholes these people are able to find. Okay, so Trump uh, has touched down in Texas. Biden is expected to also be at the border. They're having these dueling uh, border visits. They're going to be about 300 miles away from each other. And Brandon Judd, who's the National Border Patrol Counsel, had something to say about Joe Biden showing up. This is cut one, please. What we expected, and the reason why Border Patrol agents are so upset about this visit is because he's not going to any location where he's going to be able to evaluate what he needs to do. What are the policies? What are the programs that need to go into place? And he's not going to be able to do that in Brownsville. If he would have went to San Diego, if he would have went to Tucson, if he would have come out here to Eagle Pass, if he would have went to the trouble locations, um, he would have been able to get get a little bit uh, more understanding and evaluate the situation to come up with. It. He's not going to do that. He can't do that. He's repeatedly said that he doesn't have executive authority to control this. And if he turned around and he did something today, then everybody would would recognize that the past three years are all on him. He has no interest in evaluating the situation because as of like three weeks ago, Jared, the situation didn't exist in Joe Biden's mind. Probably still doesn't now. I don't think much is existing up there at this point, but he was telling us that this wasn't even happening. They all were. Mallorca's told us the border's secure. KJB, it's never been this secure. It's never, things have never been this great. And now you're expecting them to show up, not only do a complete 180 on it and acknowledge the situation, but try to evaluate the situation. We're only at step one right now. Like, what's the, 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 the stages? Is it the stages of grief where it's like acceptance, anger, whatever? 
we are barely at acceptance. We're four years in, basically, to this administration. We are barely at acceptance. They cannot accept the fact that this is all a crisis of their own making. And if you want proof of it, I would like to, I would like to offer up Exhibit A, which is an interview that Alejandro Mayorkas delivered when he was on with Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. Jared, for the sake of the entertainment factor, can we take a trip down memory lane, please? I I had forgot the past, and now I'm slipping fast. Oh, back down memory lane. This is all you need to hear. So you're going to hear from the press secretary, from the uh, Secretary of State, from the President, from the Department of Homeland Security. You're going to hear how this is all Trump's fault, how it's all the other guy's fault. This is his problem. And it's such an unbelievable lie to try to shove down the throats of the American people who have been watching this unfold. And you should also keep in mind that these are the same people who when they showed up and reversed all of Trump's policies, they were more than happy. They were banging the drum. Remember yesterday we talked about in Atlanta or in in Georgia, because I'm not sure exactly which county it was in, but there was the, I think it was the, was it the, the sheriff or somebody made an announcement about the sanctuary city policies and they actually brought out a band and were like banging a drum over it. Like that's usually an expression I use. Oh, they were so proud of themselves. They were banging the drum. In this case, they were actually banging drums, being like, look at all these great things we're doing. Mayorkas is the same way. Look at all this policy that I've reversed. And that was then. And now they're telling us it's all Trump's fault. But you were so happy to undo all of the horrible things Trump did. Yet those horrible things, they seem to be the only things keeping us on the verge of this calamity. So let's have Mayorkas. This is a flashback cut three. And I'd like to understand from you what Trump era immigration policies have been banned, ended, reversed, and if any investigations are underway by you. Uh, So we have rescinded so many uh, Trump immigration policies. It would take so much time to list them. Now, they've they've rescinded so many policies. But I bet you, I bet you, if you were a betting person, Jared, and you brought up a policy to Mayorkas and said, what about this policy? I bet he would say, well, that wasn't one of them. That was, that was, that was brought to us by Trump. It's, you have to be really like, lobotomized to buy this. And now, now I think what they're going to try to do, which I'll be so excited to watch this unfold, they're going to try to make Trump out to be like pro-illegal immigration. How is that going to work? Remember when they when Trump was pro police and then eventually they started to say, well, we tried to fund the police. We tried to have more social workers. So Republicans are anti police. They wanted to fund the police. And we're all sitting here going, wait a second. This is right after the summer of love. That's kind of a a hard thing for my head can't spin around that quick. Now are they going to try to tell us, well, Trump is actually on the side of illegal immigration. After years and years and years of hearing about how he's a xenophobe, how he wants to build a wall, you're going to try to tell me the build the wall guy was the one opening up the floodgates to all of these other countries? I don't think so. And we had uh, we had a guest on earlier 
from the Center for Immigration Studies, and he said, you can just look right at the numbers. When Trump was in office, you're dealing with maybe 700 crossers a day. With Biden, it's about 50,000 people a week. And that's not including gotaways, which I think, I think that's a number that none of us would be able to really wrap our heads around. When we come back, we've got another guest for you, and we're going to talk the Biden crime family. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone. We've got a, a texter who's complaining. They've got dead air on whatever uh, station they're on. They said, just when the show's starting to get fun. I take offense to that. The, the show has been How fun. How dare you, sir? Let me tell you, 12.05.38, that's when the show gets fun, and it don't stop till the show's over. Anything else is poppycock. We were just having this discussion because... Huey and applesauce. Did it come out natural? It did, little, yes. It's a little forced to me. Uh, Rachel Maddow was on MSNBC. She's talking about these Trump cases, the SCOTUS hearing on the immunity case, and everybody's melting down about it. And can I just get this, Jared? This is cut 12. Let me hear Rachel Maddow. This is BS. You are doing this as a dilatory tactic to help your political, uh, your political friend, your partisan patron. And for, for you to say that this is something that the court needs to decide because it's something that's unclear in the law is just flagrant, flagrant bullpucky. And they know it and they don't care that we know it. And that's disturbing about the future legitimacy of the court. Now, I'm not a wordsmith. You all know this. I try my best to incorporate new words every day, but I never heard bullpucky. And so I went to the green room and I said, I hate when people do this. You should just say BS. Stop trying to work in new words. And Emma Foley, actually, can you tell I'm going to get to the mic? Emma Foley is not afraid of an argument. And she said, Grace, you're wrong. It's way more fun to use those kind of words. And Emma, I'm going to be real with you. You're a good debater. You've kind of won me over. Yes. Why would you use just letters when you can use masterful, artistic Elaborate so, words. Give us some examples. Poppycock, hogwash, malarkey, baloney, rubbish, hooey, bunk, hooey, fooey. Try Taylor's, but be careful. We might have to dump you if you don't get it right. I don't even remember what he said. Fakakta. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> options. And you know what? I stand corrected. You're right. I was going to come on here. I was going to make fun of Rachel Maddow for saying bullpucky. But Emma's right. If you can use different words to describe it, then good on you. So you know what? You've won that debate, Emma. And the rest is applesauce. And the rest is applesauce. All right. Now, something I want to talk about here. We were discussing the state committee race on Tuesday, big day. And I had mentioned before that this race has become a lot of, you know, in the weeds back and forth. And I'd really love to talk about some of the issues here, some of the issues that these candidates care about. And because I'm a part of New England Young Conservatives and I'm always beating the drum about how we need to bring in young people to politics. It can't be all 85-year-olds running the ship. I wanted to bring on John Olds, who's running in this. He is running for the state committee seat in Middlesex, Suffolk, in the Middlesex and Suffolk district. John Olds, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Grace. How are you? And I agree. We can't have octogenarians running the party. To yeah. use a big 
fancy $50 word. <laughs> We're big on the $50 words today. John, out of all the issues that are happening, and I know it's easy to focus on the national stuff, but as far as Massachusetts goes, what is the issue that you would say you care most about that you're kind of, you're kind of circling your platform around? Well, I think in my district in particular, one of the key issues right now is the migrant crisis. So, for example, I live in Cambridge, and I know it's shocking that there are any Republicans in Cambridge, but I am one of them. And uh, I live about two blocks away from the old probate court building that Governor Healy and her administration have put nearly $200,000 into renovating just to house uh, new migrants into the Commonwealth. And it's um, everybody I talk to, this is their biggest concern in making sure that not only we're not giving benefits to people who aren't here legally, um, but to also make sure that the services that we rely on on a daily basis uh, from a whole host of different things aren't going to be affected uh, for people who are cutting the line. So that's definitely, you know, front of mind for a lot of people. But then if I just step back real quick, if, you know, when I think of a state committee person, their job mainly is to build the party in their particular district. And in my district, for example, we have Chelsea, Everett, Charlestown, and Cambridge, not exactly the Republican stronghold that you're thinking of, but it's really important that we have a strong state committee person from those urban areas that often get written off because while you might not be electing a state rep or a state senator, you know, the difference between losing 80-20 in those areas and 60-40 could move the needle in a gubernatorial race or a Senate race and things of that nature. So that's why I'm running, because we need to not ignore the parts of the state um, that get too often ignored by our party. Yeah, John, I'm glad you brought up illegal immigration because you just mentioned you're in Cambridge and you're right. You know, I don't think of Cambridge when I think of Republicans. But has this issue started to um, kind of enlighten the Democrats, the stronghold in Cambridge? Like, have you heard from anyone on the other side saying, listen, I am a you know bleeding heart liberal here, but this is untenable? Or is that is it still kind of just like they've got the blinders on? No, I, I, I think with when talking to Democrats, they sort of view the issue a little bit differently. They view it as um, obviously a humanitarian issue at first, but I'll give you an example. I was actually in an Uber uh, the other day, my dry, and I sort of struck up a conversation because um, I like to do that with people. I don't like to be the guy who sits in the back seat with my AirPods on and just ignore the world. Um, and, I, and I asked my Uber driver, I said, hey, you know, we're driving by the probate court building. You know, what do you think of what's happening in our state right now? And she ended up being a single mom. She's actually lived in Lynn. And she was really, really worried that the services that she relied on uh, were going to be cut or affected uh, in place of migrants. And I, I do think people are starting to wake up and understand that it's not only a humanitarian issue. Obviously, we can you know, empathize with anyone coming into this country in search of a better life. But it's also a fiscal issue. There's just going to be a major, major financial strain put on communities in the state. Um, and it's not going away. It's only going to get worse. It's going to cut into local aid budgets. It's going to cut into health care budgets. You know, we have a number of hospitals in the state that are, you know, really strapped for staff and resources right now. So that's how a lot of people are, are, are engaging with the issue is how is it going to affect their bottom line more than anything else? And I don't know if you can speak to this, John, but it sounds like because you, you're talking to so many people um, in your area. The other thing I've wondered when it comes to this issue of illegal immigration is the teachers, because I know typically, and you know, you want to talk Cambridge, 
typically teachers line up with the uh, liberal point of view and the unions. And you kind of do think that a lot of teachers, not all of them, I've had plenty of teachers in my life who weren't, but a lot of them do align themselves with the left ideology. But this is a case where now you're getting these teachers who are already inundated with, you know, problems uh, when it comes to budgeting and funding and taking care of the the students they have and having kind of jammed classrooms overcrowding things like that and then all of a sudden they're getting all of these other children who don't even speak english dropped off you must be hearing from young teachers and just teachers in general about this issue as well well i haven't i haven't had the chance to speak to any um educators specifically but i would imagine that you're right you know these these folks that are coming into the schools they require you know, special attention, uh, whether it be a language barrier or um, folks that might not be up to grade level in things like math and reading. Um, and it does put strain on the schools. And I think you're right. Um, and I, I don't like to, you know, paint teachers necessarily with a broad brush. You know, I think I can paint that uh, broad brush with college professors. But I think a lot of educators are just looking to do right by their students. And a lot of these teachers, I feel like, are being set up to fail in a lot of ways. Um, and that's really, really unfortunate. And uh, again, as you say, a byproduct of this ongoing crisis. John, I'm I wouldn't consider myself young anymore. I mean, I'm 31, so I'm not old by any means. But one thing that I often will get questions from people who come in to see Howie or come into my show is, oh, you know, they, they'll they have 20 something year olds and they say, well, my, my kid is very uh, left or leaning left. How did you become Republican? How did you become conservative, especially growing up in, in Massachusetts? And I always just kind of say, you know, I, I, I listen to my parents a lot. I uh, would listen to talk radio with them. And there was different things that kind of molded my political beliefs. I'm curious for you, you just mentioned college educators. It seems like you're so inundated with liberal media and with liberal POVs. How did you end up being a conservative? Well, I'll, I'll start, and it might sound a little bit cliche, but uh, I give a lot of credit to my family, both my parents and grandparents. I mean, my mentor and, you know, sort of rock throughout my childhood was my grandfather, who was a Marine Corps veteran, um, served his community through his church, um, through, you know, civic engagement and that sort of thing. And the way I viewed it was just that the Republican Party, at least where I was exposed to it, was the party of common sense, um, whether it be fiscal discipline, making sure that our cities and towns were run uh, in a conservative manner, not you know living outside of our means, making sure that we're making responsible decisions on you know the development of our community and that sort of thing. And that sort of you know snowballed into you know me catching the political bug a little bit. And, and once you catch it, it's it's hard to shake. And living in Massachusetts, um, it's pretty I actually think it's pretty easy to be a Republican. I mean, you have to be a pretty hopeful and optimistic person. But if you're just generally a down to earth person that's not trying to, you know, change the world via activism at every moment of your day, you know, you can really find a home in the Republican Party. I, I, I think I like to think of it as a coalition of the normals in a lot of ways, just people that want to get up every day, care for their family, go to work, um, and, and make sure that food on, food's on the table and a roof's over your head. I think the, the party really looking out for that in, in our state, by and large, is the Republican Party. And that's where I found my home. And I'm happy to talk about different experiences I've had within the party in Massachusetts, but, but that's sort of my journey in 30 seconds. 
Well, that's very well said, John, and I appreciate it. I appreciate that insight. Uh, I think it tells people a lot about you as a candidate and kind of what you stand for. John, we have to end here, but can you tell people where they can find out more about you? Well, you can you can go to my website. It's very easy, johnolds.com. That's J-O-H-N-O-L-D-S.com. I'm running for state committee in Charlestown, Cambridge, Chelsea, and Everett. And on March 5th or before, I hope to earn your vote. Thank you very much, sir. Before we go to break here, there is one more thing I want to talk about, Jared. We had discussed how Hunter Biden recently told Axios that democracy and saving democracy, which is always what we're going for, it hinges on his sobriety. And based off his closed-door testimony with Republicans, Matt Gates informed me that there's something else at stake here, or there's something else that Hunter Biden, talk about self-important, he has, uh, he dropped a little bit of knowledge on Republicans about his Burisma job. And yeah, it might seem like, oh, that was a hack job. That was a job they made pay for play just to make tons of money for Hunter and the family. Uh, No, 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 no. It's a lot more complicated than that. Can I get cut eight? I'd say that there were a number of interesting moments, but perhaps none more interesting than when Hunter Biden told us that he uh, joined the Burisma board to counter Russian aggression. I I hadn't heard that one before, that thank goodness we had Hunter Biden on the Burisma board uh, because that was uh, central to his strategy to stand up to Vladimir Putin. Uh, It reminds me when I was younger and I would, you know, it was really actually more my younger brother if he had to come up with an excuse or a lie or something. And it would be so outrageous. And my parents would almost be amused about it. They'd be like, oh, you know, God love him. He's trying to get creative. Oh, my job on the board of Burisma was actually to stop Russian aggression. By the way, my sobriety is what's going to save democracy. Anything else? How do you do it all in one day, Hunter? This guy deserves a pay raise. This whole time, Jared, we've been talking about Biden, Joe Biden being president. Hunter Biden should be in there. This man is just, he's working on all cylinders. And while he's doing it, while he's fighting Russian aggression, while he's saving democracy, you know what he's doing with his other arm? Crack. He's painting. He's like Kramer on the bus. He's driving the bus and he's fighting the guy and he's driving the bus and everything's still going. It's amazing. It is amazing. When we come back, we're going to talk to Howie Carr, so don't go anywhere. You know, tonight I'm going home. It's Thursday. People warned me last time. I waited too long. I said, oh, Friday's here. I'm going to have a nice steak. And then all of a sudden flooded on the text line. You shouldn't have a steak today. You're going to go to hell. Well, now I'll have it the night before, and hopefully I'll I'll avoid that. Uh, but the great thing about Omaha Steaks is I don't have to that stop. damnation hooey and applesauce. Yeah, I don't want to. Now, that poppycock, I'm not looking to burn in hell. So I'll go home tonight. I'll open a nice Omaha Steaks, or maybe I'll have a, a nice cheeseburger. I'm not sure. But tonight's the night to do it, because tomorrow we skip. We move on to the salmon, to the chicken, to things that aren't going to get us in as much trouble. Well, chicken will get you in trouble. Chicken will. Yes, chicken is considered meat. Yeah, you know what? Tomorrow we'll do the <laughs> salmon. Tomorrow we'll do the salmon. Can you tell that I'm... Uh, I don't, that's not one of those rules that I follow that closely. I know I should. I know I should. Don't come at me, please, please. You know what I did? I gave myself a real break when I was pregnant because I had read that you can do that. And then I kind of lost the plot a little bit. But tomorrow we'll do salmon. Tonight we'll do a steak with a nice glass of wine. You cannot go wrong with Omaha steaks. That's the important part, okay? That's, we're, we're not trying to bury the lead here. The important part of this is that everything from Omaha steaks whether you're going to eat steak on Friday or you're not. Everything is delicious. The quality is amazing. You can get sides. You can get desserts. 
Everything is top-notch. It's a great price. It's delivered right to your front door, and it's 50% off. Did I mention that? It's 50% off. You go to omahasteaks.com slash grace. Not only are you going to get 50% off, you're going to get eight free Omaha Steak burgers on select packages. This is really, Jared, this is, you can't beat this. Yeah, the quality of meats uh, and fish and, and everything, the sides, the quality you get with Omaha Steaks is second to none. They say it's the best steak you'll ever have, and they're not lying. And I've been on the chicken kick lately. The chicken is the best chicken that I've uh, I've ever had. It tastes like chicken. Grace, you saw the chicken today that I had. Was it, that Omaha Steaks? It was enormous. Yeah, it was great-looking chicken. It tasted fantastic. You could have had that Some for potatoes. three minutes. <laughs> I could have. Um, but, yeah, everything from Omaha Steaks is fantastic. And especially if you're getting 50% off and you're getting extras, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, so go to omahasteaks.com slash grace. You'll get the eight free burgers and the 50% off on select packages. Do that now. We will be right back with Howie Carr. Don't go anywhere. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I wanted to remind everybody, we have a great Grace's goodies right now. If you go to gracecurleyshow.com and click on store, these are already half gone. So you want to hop on this now. It is the awesome BioSpeed vacuum cleaner from Eden Pure. I have one of these. They're super lightweight. There's nothing worse than hauling out like a Ghostbuster style vacuum, bringing it up the stairs and down the stairs. This is easy to use. It's lightweight, but it works so well. So go to gracecurlyshow.com and click on store. You're getting this vacuum that's worth $349. You're getting it for just $175, and you're getting free shipping. So hop on that now. Uh, Howie, we, we we didn't get a lot, or I shouldn't, I guess we got enough from the Hunter Biden closed-door testimony. But one thing he did say is he admitted that when he sent the text about the $5.1 million to CEFC, he was high or drunk. Now, from what I'm gathering here, Joe Biden can say he gets a, a pass because he's too old to remember anything. Hunter gets a pass for being high or drunk. Do you think you'd get the same pass in any of these situations? It's funny you mention that, uh, Grace. I'm just doing up my poll question right now on that on that issue. Really? I'm, I'm going to put in illegal aliens, Bidens, Kennedys, you and me. Any Any other group I should put in? No, I like that. I was actually going to call you the other day, but it was so random, Howie, about the Kennedys because I ended up on one of those articles about Rosemary Kennedy and yeah. reading all about that. Is that Kennedy Babylon one or two that you talk about her? I think it's Kennedy. I think it's Kennedy Babylon one. I, I gave I gave a couple of copies uh, of the of both. I gave Kennedy one and two to one of my neighbors, and she came down to me uh, at, at the pool. I was just like, you know, relaxing with Roscoe. And she said, I can't believe it. They are so bad, so <laughs> bad. And I thought, oh, this is a, a successful <laughs> say, not non-sale of my book because I gave them to her. Yeah, well, I was reading about her, and I obviously knew a, a little bit about it from from you, but I just didn't realize that they gave her the lobotomy, and then he put her the, the the father put her in a home and he didn't even tell the rest of the siblings where she was i don't think they found out until he died 
No, and she she came. I think she came home twice in, in the uh, fifty years after she, she was uh, lobotomized before she she passed on, and it was just it was a horrible thing. And you know you know she wasn't she wasn't a a, a terribly out of control person. No, you know, she she and, and she wasn't terrible terrible terribly unattractive either. They just uh, they just wanted to just put her aside, and not have to worry about her. Ugh. And that's just one of the stories in Kennedy Babylon 1 and 2. Everyone, go get your BioSpeed vacuum cleaner. We'll be back tomorrow for our Friday show.